TogiNet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or even more. I give you the opportunity to go look at their hotel fees and take advantage of their cost savings. Please go to www.bestradiotravel.com. Check them out. I think you'll be pleased. Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach and motivational speaker who has a passion for helping women who need a second win. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Effortless Happiness, How to Find Your Voice and Finally Ask for What You Really Want. She studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, and is a fully certified coach in his program. Also, she has served as an assistant in his training programs. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted thousands of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you to get your second wind. Now here's your host, Joyce Buford. Welcome. It's so great to have you here today. You know, I'm, my mind is all focused on a workshop that I'm doing tomorrow called the Vision Board Workshop. And I don't know how you're preparing for 2020, but there are many ways that you can through either the vision board or by just simply sitting down and writing goals, goals, goals. So a lot of us like to particularly find that women are more drawn to the vision board because it's a tool that will help us focus and direct where we want to go in this year. We put on all the wants, the do's, the the things we want, the things we want to accomplish, physical things we want, the things we want to accomplish either in business or in our personal life uh, can be as simple as a car. We don't know where we're going to get that money for that car or a house. We're needing a bigger house, smaller house. But by creating your vision board, which is a board full of images of the outcome of acquiring the request, it's magical. And it has been, in the past, fully substantiated by many, many people that use the vision board process. Now, many of the men, I did a mastermind last on Monday of this week, and there were men and women. Many of the men were drawn, had never tried the vision board, and a couple of them were coaches, and they said, well, you know, we we have seen it, but we haven't really done it. We've gone the goal route, route, excuse me, having tongue problems today. But anyway, it's where you can get your your goals out for the year, whether you go with writing your goals down or you go through the more playful act of the vision board, both are powerful. Both can become yours if you'll just declare that's what you want and start taking the steps toward making it a reality. So anyway, that's my word of encouragement today. I really want you to spend some focusing time 
deciding what you want this year to look like. And yes, you have control over that if you'll just ask and start moving towards your goal. So, Today we're going to jump in because I can't take any more time away from my discussion with Alexandra Stockwell. Alexandra Stockwell, MD, is a physician turned relationship and intimacy expert who is known as the relationship catalyst. As a wife of 23 years and a mother of four, she believes the key to passion fulfillment, intimacy, and success in a couple's relationship isn't compromise. It's being unwilling to compromise. Unwilling to compromise. Because when both partners feel free to be themselves and know how to love and be loved for exactly who they are, the relationship is juicy, nourishing, and deeply satisfying. For more than 20 years, she has shown men and women how to bring pleasure and purpose into all aspects of life, from the daily grind of running a household to successfully growing a business. Alexandra helps build connected and happy families through facilitating healing and transformation for couples. What a beautiful bio, Alexandria. I love this because it just sets us up for uh, healthy relationships. If they don't start out happy, we know they can be. So welcome. Thank you, Joyce. I'm really <laughs> glad to be here. I love your audience and who your listeners are because mature women, they don't always think so, but... They are primed to take on the world. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, we are. We are. We are women in Hera's roar. Sometimes we might be roaring a little weak, but we are roaring. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, and it often sounds louder in our own heads than uh-huh. how it actually comes out in terms of the number of decibels. I am so curious, and I have to ask this before we go any further. How did you move from being a physician into a a different kind of healer, which is a relationship relationship healer? I'm going to. This is going to be a fun show because I can't talk today. But how did you make that transition, or what was the power behind making that decision? Yeah, well, it's a question I hear often, and it was, mm-hmm. in in hindsight, it makes so much sense, because in as a relationship and intimacy expert, I'm really able to do almost everything that I love best about medicine, and mm-hmm. it's, you're right, you know, I am, I, I don't often call myself a healer anymore, but actually having healthy relationships is one of the absolute best things you can do for your health. The state, the quality of your relationships at age 50 is Mm -hmm. a better predictor of your health at 80 than any screening tests or anything else you might look at. However, I don't actually find that people are motivated to work on their relationships in in order to improve their health, but it is a benefit. 
However, mm-hmm. as I say, it makes so much sense in hindsight, but at the time that I stepped away from medicine, I definitely did not have a crystal ball and I didn't have <laughs> a clear goal to become a relationship and intimacy expert. I didn't even really know what that was at the time. Mm-hmm. However, I, I was in medicine for 12 years and in my mid late thirties, I really, I had accomplished everything that I had been focused on achieving. I was married to a wonderful man. At that point, I had three of my four children. I had paid off my loans to medical school, which was quite a thing. I had my own practice. (laughs) We had a nice home and a good community we lived in. And I really thought that I should have had some sense of having arrived at kind of deep satisfaction and fulfillment because this is both professionally and personally everything I'd been working towards. Yeah. And I didn't have that feeling. Instead, I felt a little bit unsatisfied, a little bit hollow inside. And it really, it's interesting that you talked about the roar earlier because my dissatisfaction was really at the level of a whisper. But Mm. I knew that if I didn't honor that, I just couldn't see another four decades of more of the same, even though it was everything I had ever wanted. And there were a few other things that it makes sense to add. One is that I really, I was a very devoted and well-loved physician and I prioritized my patients' needs over my family's and my family's needs over my own. And I tried a Mm. lot of different ways. It it wasn't about time management because I was very capable and getting Mm -hmm. a lot of things done. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't quite get that right. And I knew I needed to learn how to honor myself and put my own oxygen mask on first. So that's one Mm -hmm. thing. And the other is that Each of my beloved grandparents had died and both of my parents as well. And so I'm the oldest in my family. I have a younger brother. And in in my mid-30s, I became the oldest person in my family. And at the time, I didn't see that as an influence. But looking back, I do now because I certainly hadn't expected that in my life either. But consciously, I was more focused on needing to learn how to really honor myself first so that I could give my attention to others with fullness and generosity. And Mm -hmm. so I arranged to take a sabbatical, Mm -hmm. secretly knowing I wouldn't go back, but I set it up as a sabbatical. And Mm -hmm. really, without any particular formal structure or agenda, nothing like, getting a college education or becoming a physician or any of these kinds of things, but with a lot of whimsy and open-mindedness, I ended up taking a lot of personal growth workshops. I did some spiritual training. I danced, and I hadn't really done that before. I just did a lot of different things. And in the end, in pursuing 
my own fulfillment, I found myself taking a very juicy course on sensuality and sexuality, which I was pursuing for my own sake, Mm -hmm. which doubled as a training to become a coach. And at the time, I really didn't even know what a coach was. I liked my letters (laughs) after my last name. I took them quite seriously. But I thought, well, I'll go to the lab and see what it's about because I'm in this program for my own interest. (laughs) But I love coaching, and I've been... I've been a relationship coach and become a relationship and intimacy expert ever since then. Wow. Yeah. You know, sometimes we, I've, I've heard of this story several times, but sometimes we put our ladder up against the wrong building and, and the universe has its way of kind of going, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, by those yes. little nudges we have. And we go, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, and we have to, if we're wise, we'll listen to that because it's ultimately telling us we, we need to grow. We need to go and, and just doing something. And I applaud you for being able to take that step away. But I know for you that probably at 30, that was you, that was very young to use all of your what we might call foundation people, your history. Uh, I know when my mother passed, she was the last of my family. Uh, well, no, I have a sister, but, um, it was, there is a thought that just as you mentioned, I'm now, um, um, an orphan <laughs> basically is what I was thinking. I have nobody, no family other than my sister. And it, 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 not that it's shattering, but it is, you do stop. Let me say that and take account. Yes, it gave me pause. Mm-hmm. And when my mother, uh, she was, she had just turned 60 when she passed. And mm-hmm. in the weeks before she died, my brother and I were taking care of her. I was basically her sole mm-hmm. caregiver. Mm-hmm. And she um, she said something to me, which at the time I found so offensive and disturbing, and I really just told her to stop saying it. And that was, she mm. said, you know, she said, I'm not ready to go, but this is actually going to be good for you kids because you'll be free to pursue whatever you want, and you won't be restricted at all by needing to think about what I need. And I just thought, please stay so that I can take care of you. I want to be burdened in exactly this way. But years later, I'm I'm saying this in response to your comment that it gives you pause. And it gave me pause. And at first, it was like I was suddenly in a house that was missing the walls. I felt very exposed and psychologically uncertain. But... As I grew with that feeling, I realized that actually it did give me a lot of freedom. I, at the time, I was living on the East Coast. I now live in California. I I just made many, many decisions that I never would have made. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I would have become a relationship coach, honestly, <laughs> if I were oriented to being my mother's daughter. So it's a very... 
you know, we don't choose these things. And I would never say I was glad that she passed young, but I think there are ways to really step into life in all configurations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting time when someone loses their parents. It is. My mother was 99. And so oh, she had lived, she lived a full life. She was full of resilience, but, um, the brain, the memory had sort of gone. And, uh, the only in the last couple of years, cause she ballroom danced until she was 92. And so, you know, from that, not, not, she was a little restricted in her movement, but, um, I feel she had had such a full life and I just applauded her because she, she had done so much what she really enjoyed, particularly after my father passed, there was like a new freedom that came along. And so she did explore some things that she hadn't been able to do in her married life. But there's praise to her. But she taught me resilience. That's a gift she gave me. So let's talk about the relationships. Because many of my listeners have had relationships. And you kind of spoke about that there are actually three types of relationships. I've never been so uh putting us into different types. So I, I'm interested in knowing what those are. Yes, I'd be glad to. Yeah, this is the result of my own research and consideration. There actually are four types, but most mm. people experience three. And I'll describe those first and then talk about the fourth. So okay. There are relationships which are toxic. And I think most people know what that means, but I'll just define it by saying that anger and fear dominate the relationship. And so mm. there's a lack of ease, relaxation, and joy in a toxic relationship, which can include various forms of abuse. And um, this is all on a spectrum. It's not like one either has a toxic relationship or one doesn't. But anyway, one of the very common types of relationship where anger and fear dominate is the toxic relationship. Okay. Then there's the termination relationship where one or both people have actually already given up on the relationship. So maybe they're divorced, maybe they're not even thinking about divorce, but within the relationship, one or both of them has already pulled away and really identifies more as an I than a we. And mm-hmm. there's this really remarkable statistic that um, – one in four couples with children at home plan to get divorced when the children leave home, however long it is until the last child leaves. Mm-hmm. And those are people in a termination relationship where they're not working to make it better. They've basically given up on it, mm-hmm. but they're still in relationship. And then yeah. the third type, which is exceedingly common, is the toleration relationship. So we have toxic termination and toleration. And in the toleration relationship, people are tolerating things 
they're compromising. You might care about something, but you just kind of let it go because it's not worth the trouble. You Mm -hmm. don't speak up about things that are really important to you. You might end up going to movies that don't interest you because your partner wants to go. This can be very blatant and overriding, and it also can be really quite subtle. But tolerating what's happening rather than being fulfilled and deeply engaged by it in your relationship Mm -hmm. leads to something very common, which is the relationship which is conflict-free and passion-free. Yeah. Yeah. Because in a tolerating, a toleration relationship, there's actually not a a lot of conflict because it's just not worth the fuss. It's it's (laughs) just too much. And in in a toleration relationship, people can love one another very deeply, be really devoted to one another. Things look good on the outside. They have common values. They may make financial decisions easily. Mm-hmm. But there just is not a lot of passion and erotic energy because toleration seeps in and colors the whole relationship. So yes. far and away, any relationship that we look at in literature or movies or celebrities, I'm not talking about in the dating phase. I mean, once people have been together for a while, really mm-hmm. most relationships are either toxic, toxic termination or toleration, or some combination. And then... Before you go into your fourth one, which I think is a healthy... You're moving toward a healthier relationship. I am, I am. I'm good, I'm ready. But I, with these three, and there's so much discussion now about about the narcissist uh, personality... Is yes. there one that fits in one of these more than the other? There's characteristics that seem to fit in all of them, to tell you the truth, but from where I'm looking at it, but you might, you would have a better insight into that. You know, it's an interesting question because I think of narcissistic personalities as really, um, as there are two general types, at least the way it's understood in the culture. I'm not talking about how it would be referred to in a psychological diagnostic manual. But just casually, when we talk about narcissists, there is the person who is Mm self-centered. That's what being narcissist is, right? Just really Mm -hmm. self-centered and not focused on anyone but his or her own gratification. Yes. And In that situation, you can have a narcissist in a toleration relationship, absolutely, because Mm -hmm. they're just, it's like if the other person accommodates and tolerates and just goes with what the narcissist wants, things can be peaceful. There can be a lot of love. It's just that one person is ultra self-oriented. Yes. Then there's the kind of narcissist which is a lot more dramatic on the way to borderline personality, wreaks a lot more havoc and causes a lot more pain and has a much more intense reputation. And that kind of narcissist is much more likely to be in a toxic relationship where even though everything is about that person, that person wants to control 
and mm. manipulate and cause pain in other people. And so that creates a toxic dynamic. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would say narcissism has a lot more flavors and isn't always one type. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I well, I see characteristics in all of these, actually. I see the yeah. tolerance in the woman that stays in a relationship um, that just loses her voice. She just goes quiet. She can't compete. And so she just kind of goes numb in the relationship. Um, the terminal um, and the toxic, certainly I've seen relationships with anger and um, just total selfishness, you know, fear. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to put. The termination, um, I don't know. I think that has some characteristics as well of can, um, in that yeah, I think some people say, I'll just stay for the kids. And I, I, I don't agree with that. I may be wrong, but anyway, staying you for know, the kids. There is no clear answer. Mm-mm. You know, people have a lot of different views, and there's also research to show different things. And yeah. I think it's so complicated. And mm-hmm. it actually depends if staying for the kids is going to result in a toxic environment. I think that's a completely different decision than staying for the kids in a toleration relationship mm-hmm. or a termination because. Well, I am a big proponent, and I'm sure you are too, of a growth mindset. And with a growth mindset where you believe that transformation and change is always possible, then Mm -hmm. really you can take any of these, but in particular a toleration relationship, and really wake it up and make it really engaging if the people in the couple – want to do that and oh. find a way to, as opposed to people with a fixed mindset where it's like every, well, he's never going to change. Mm-hmm. That's how he always is. And there's right. no point in my doing anything differently because it's just going to be frustrating. So I'm just going to do what I always do, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know. Yeah. Not- I forgot that you mentioned in the tolerant toleration that they deeply cared for each other and wanted uh they just weren't interested in the same things <laughs> is that right well, they, even, oh. they even can be with toleration i really think it's the majority of relationships and they can even have the same interests and ah. be aligned and get along very well yeah. but if there's not passion and typically we think in our society that as relationships age, the passion diminishes. That's yeah. true in a toleration relationship, and it really is resulting from people holding back something that matters to them. Yeah. And you can hold back what matters to you and be with someone who you absolutely yeah. believe is your soulmate. And you just want well, to not make a fuss. I'm going to stop here, Alexandra, so we can go to break. And we'll be back. When we're coming back, we're we're going to talk about the conscious partnership. I can hardly wait. 
Motivational coach, motivational speaker, and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Tokinet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discount you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash Joyce, J-O-Y-C-E, to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of my show through TogiNet Radio. We have negotiated special rates at over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, sign up, and enjoy the discounts. This is BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, J-O-I-C-E. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the author of Effortless Happiness, continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. We are talking today with Alexandra Stockwell, and she's talking about relationships, and she is a relationship and intimacy expert. Now she's just shared with us three main types types of relationships, toxic, termination, and toleration. And so we've, those are kind of, I want you to know they're, they're relationships that have struggles with them and, and maybe some place complacency in them. And if you want to listen to them, go back to the first section to get the real basis of it. But now she's moving into the conscious partnership. And I'm so ready for the conscious because I'm thinking happy and freedom and I'm I'm just thinking lots of good stuff, Alexandra. Absolutely. So yes, the conscious partnership is in contrast to toxic termination and toleration relationships. And the definition of a conscious partnership is one where both people 
use the relationship as a vehicle for personal transformation. So what this means is both people have a growth mindset instead of blaming the other person when it doesn't go well, looking, mm -hmm. what can I do? How can I show up in a way that makes this feel better? Maybe I have something very important to say to tell my partner that isn't something that isn't working for me, but I choose to show up and bring it. And the other element of the conscious partnership is that literally anything is used to build more connection. And typically people think, well, you know, a lovely romantic getaway or a blissful time in the bedroom, of course that contributes to more connection. Mm -hmm. But throwing, when uh, my husband leaves wet laundry in the washing machine or dirty socks on the floor or we have some kind of argument that also is used to build deeper connection because as we unpack what's happened and are more vulnerable about what really matters in the interaction, that mm. creates more connection. And when we bring all of ourselves in that way, passion naturally follows. Do you have to work with people when you're working with a couple? I know for in my family, we never argued I mean, my, I never saw my parents really argue or get clear about some subject if they differed on it. It wasn't healthy argument, arguing. <laughs> so do you have to work with people to show them how to have healthy arguments? Yes, actually. I've never been asked that. It's a beautiful, insightful question, and the answer is yes, because there are really three reasons that people tend not to bring up difficult topics, which mm -hmm. then lead to arguments. One, yeah. uh, and I'll speak particularly for women, one is if you as a woman aren't in the habit of doing what works best for you and what you desire, often women don't actually know what they desire. They know they're unsatisfied but they don't know what it is that they actually want. So that is the first step in mm -hmm. bringing something up. And then most people don't bring things up because they don't actually want to hurt their partner. And oh. we're talking mostly toleration relationships where people are committed to one another. They love one another. And in that situation, you don't want to say something that's going to hurt your partner's feelings. Yeah. And then the third reason people don't bring things up is, you know, it's not that somebody wants to hurt their partner's feelings, but they're okay doing that. They just don't want to deal with the fallout and the reaction. And so mm -hmm. one of the very important things that I do with couples is teach them how to share without blaming, without attacking, but with a lot of vulnerability and meaning in order to share what's important. And sometimes instead of a fight, there can be a very deep, meaningful conversation that results. And other times when there is a fight, one of the things that I really love to teach is how to pivot in the middle of a conflict. 
So let me ask if you have anything to say, and then I can teach you how to do that. What do you mean, do I have anything to say? <laughs> well, do I don't know. I, I was just going to take a pause <laughs> to see if you had a comment or something to share, and then I'll go No, I'm, I'm waiting for you. <laughs> okay, okay, good. So, um, you know, one of, one of the things that happens when people have conflicts Either they avoid it or they have the conflict and then afterwards maybe they talk it through and process and understand what happened or they don't. But either way, with couples who've been together for a long time, mm-hmm. whether they have resolved it or they haven't, or if they just shoved it under the rug, whatever the case is, typically they find themselves in the exact same conflict again, whether it's an hour later or a year later Mm -hmm. they just are repeating that pattern same topic or different topic it feels like the same argument and in Mm -hmm. that situation it's because it's like our brains are wired to respond the same way to the same stimulus and so I teach couples to just whoever thinks of it first to just stop Mm -hmm. take a breath and say, let's do a conscious redo, meaning a do-over. And you go right in the middle of the fight. You go back to whatever the last thing was said, which worked for both people, and then continue from there. And stopping in the moment and pivoting. and And you might make the same communication but with a softer tone, and then it's much easier uh-huh. to hear it, and your partner's yes. going to be much more inspired to do whatever it is that you want versus if you say it in this critical way, and every time you say it, it's in this critical way, that's never going to get you what you want. And so, yes, I think mm-hmm. it's so important, and you can see how when softness and vulnerability comes instead of, anger and attacking on the exact same issue mm-hmm. that first of all you don't need to go back and have that fight again and second of all it leads to more connection and then from more connection comes more passion yeah yeah i wonder if we do that and i would be a prime example because i came from a family that didn't know how they don't fight. They never did. They never fought really. They'd all go out. They go away in their corners, but they wouldn't fight. <laughs> and so, so, uh, so for me, if I were to, uh, confront about something, I guess it doesn't have to be confront, but for me, I'd be so nervous and so uh, built up inside whether I wanted to address the subject because I knew it was, uh, a sensitive one um, that I think we'd almost deliver it without really wanting to deliver it that way we just don't know any other way to do it does that make sense it completely just, does and see what I just shared is what to do when you're in the middle of a conflict but right. when you're in the situation that you just described which you uh-huh. described really clearly and many people can relate what, what I suggest is the first thing you do is say to your partner I have something vulnerable or I have something important or I have something that's hard Mm -hmm. for me to share with you 
Are yeah. you available to hear it? Yes. And that has to be a real question where the person can say either yes or no. But as soon as the other person says yes, then you're on the same team. It's, it's, it's like you both, you're both wow. focused on what you're going to share. Because yeah. if you just kind of flip it in without actually requesting participation, mm-hmm. it can be easily ignored. So the first thing is to say that. And then the second thing is to say why it is that you're telling and what your desired outcome from the conversation is. Because if you don't say that, it's very easy for someone to, and they may even anyway, feel Mm -hmm. attacked or blamed or like the person is inadequate. But if you say, you know, I'm telling you because this is really on my mind and it's keeping me from connecting with you. And my desired outcome is that once I get this off my chest, we can really have a fun evening together. Mm-hmm. And your partner's going to listen, knowing what the goal is. The goal is not for him to feel badly or her. The right. goal is to come to this new, pleasant outcome. And so I, when I work with couples, I have them practice that on super unimportant issues. And if you're not used to bringing things up, if there is something that is kind of scary to bring up, I wouldn't start with that. I'd start, you know, with like, uh, I have something vulnerable to tell you. I want to tell you about it because it keeps happening and it bothers me a little bit. And my Mm -hmm. desired outcome is we can be on the same page and then say that, you know, you wish when when he brought the mail in, he put it on this table instead of that table. You know, something that's really unimportant. Oh, yeah. But once once a couple gets used to speaking this way, then they can use the tool for much more complicated communications because they already mm. trust the tool and they trust that the two of yeah. them can actually have conversations together in an effective way. Now, is a tool like this in your new book that you've just written, completed, yes, or published? Yes, actually. Yay! Both of, the tools, both of the tools that I just mentioned happen to be in the book. I have a lot more tools, but these are so fundamental. Anyone who's going to read my book, Uncompromising Intimacy, I want them to be able to use these tools and mm-hmm. shift from whatever kind of relationship they're in to a conscious partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where can people get your book? If we could just uh, talk about that now. Um, uh, sure. That, you have that kind of as an offer here for the people as well. So would you like to just talk about that right now? I know we're not nearly through, but um, since we're here. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so the, a link to my book is at www.alexandrastockwell.com forward slash book. And that mm-hmm. takes you right to the Amazon link. And um, and I may be adding some things to that page sometime soon, some, yeah. some yeah. extra freebies and so forth. But that's the way to get the book now. And it's really um, – it's a hundred pages and it's easy to read and mm-hmm. it is written with one purpose and that is 
so that if you want your relationship to be more juicy and more satisfying, that you have some tools which are, they're not generally known because most of them I either learned from my mentor or created myself and Mm -hmm. worked on in the laboratory of my relationship, but they're very easy to implement for anyone who wants to use them. Yeah. They really sound like useful tools. I could almost envision myself using them, but um, yeah, (laughs) but I think that's good. And no matter, I mean, of course it could be, but we all have relationships, right? Whether they're marriage or our friends, we all kind of have some things that bother us about even friends. And so I can see using that in those relationships as well. Alexandra. Absolutely. Yes, and Joyce, some of my very favorite testimonials are from women who have read my book or learned my tools and used them outside of a romantic relationship. So I have uh, one reader who had a very complicated relationship with her teenage stepchildren, and Mm. she started using these tools and telling, for example, why she was making the communication. And it has completely transformed those relationships. And this reader said that not only are the kids using this way of talking to her and her Mm. husband, their father, but also (laughs) to one another and to friends. It's just become part of the family culture now. Mm -hmm. And then I have another reader who uh, had a very complicated situation with her boss. And she also used these tools and had an outcome better than she ever dreamed she'd have. So these tools are applicable, really, between human beings. Yes. The the one thing that's different in a romantic relationship or marriage is that when there's vulnerability and the sharing of truth that really matters, mm-hmm. passion is invariably close behind Mm, yeah 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 i could see that yeah i we talked about something in our pre-call setting up this interview um that i'd like to address and that was about women that have gone through divorce and they're moving on with their life perhaps wanting a new relationship or not but the reason that they want the relationship or don't would might be out of fear, fear that the first relationship was so painful. Um, and they, they, they sometimes think if they just change partners, that'll get better and maybe magic will work. But really, first off, what, how can we, We'll address that relationship that moves from the married to a, just finds another partner. Who, what's missing from that form of well, thinking? The first, yeah, the first thing to say is that we are who we are, and even if you know you've had a long relationship with someone, and then you get divorced, and you have a new relationship, and the person seems completely different in terms of education, even ethnicity, and uh, financial success, just like in every important variable, everything can seem very different. But typically, 
after enough time, it can start to feel very similar to that ended mm-hmm. marriage. And that mm-hmm. is because we learn from childhood, from our role models, from our culture, we learn how to interact with our beloved in a particular way, and then things can feel very similar. And so a woman who is scared to proceed to a next relationship, like, I think that's wise. However, learning how to have a really excellent relationship is Mm -hmm. a learnable skill. And we typically don't think of it. It's like, well, you know, you just arrive at adulthood. No, it is a completely learnable skill. It's, again, why there are so many practical tools in my book. In some ways, the book consists of teaching and storytelling in order to set the context to give the tools. Because where are people going to learn this? It's not taught in school. It's rarely taught in families. It's not, you know, I don't know where someone's going to learn it. And so even though I'm a coach, I think of my primary role as an educator to teach people this very learnable skill to have fantastic relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I've heard friends and, and it's always, you know, um, divorce friends or people in the coaching, my coaching that, want to blame the partner for all of the problems and what I want to make very clear is that we're all responsible for our relationships you know if they don't work it's not just one-sided it's it's both sides contributing from the learning that they saw modeled or that they they believed in about a marriage um even in studying my own divorce i can over time have been able to see well of course he did that because that's all he knew to do and of course i did that because that's what i thought was right and it's that oh gosh yeah that kind of moment that you, you just kind of the heavens open up and you go oh gosh never got that <laughs> But when you do get it, you do understand it, then you move into forgiveness and you can kind of tolerate and give permission to the partner. But all of that is to be said, we have to do our own healing before we actually get into another relationship. And that's what your book will give for us, right? Absolutely. And um, one of the ways that I would concur with what you've shared is that if we, it, it, it's easy to blame our partner for how things were, but the problem mm-hmm. with that is it's a very disempowered position. And mm-hmm. while it takes courage and all the things that you said, and certainly there's all that would be needed um, to get to make progress in this is in my book as well, that um, in taking responsibility for whatever didn't work, Mm-hmm. We actually become empowered and capable of creating something different. If you think it was all the other person's fault, you don't really have any power to do it differently the next time. So yeah. I really love that you brought that point up. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm just, I want to go get my copy of your book. <laughs> I think so. It would be just a great uh, read for most women that have experienced divorce, I believe. 
and many that are in marriages that are struggling with, well, I don't really ask for what I want, you know, which is, I'm not sure. Once we get real. <laughs> yeah. Because as you said, most of us don't know what we want. <laughs> yeah. In situations. You know, we just want to be heard sometimes. Yeah. Getting clear. Exactly. Exactly. Now you work with, with people, with marriages in couples and individuals in over the internet or, you know, that's freed up yes. our world anymore. Yes. We can go anywhere. <laughs> that's right. I work with um, individuals and couples all over the world. And mm-hmm. I really love it. Even if somebody lives in my town, I would work in California. I would work with them uh, virtually because oh, there's something. Yeah, because when we're talking about intimacy, it's mm-hmm. often much simpler when I'm not making eye contact and someone isn't in my it, – it's really um, kind of like it's sometimes easier to say something on the phone that might be harder to say in person. So I find oh. um, working virtually opens up all kinds of possibilities and people end up feeling comfortable saying things, mm-hmm. which I'm really glad to support them in. So you do this over the phone, not Zoom or one no, of those. No, I do it. I do it over Zoom. I was just oh, oh, making, okay. Making the comparison, yeah. I do it over Zoom, and I, yeah, I work with um, individuals and couples over Zoom. Anybody who wants to be more fulfilled in their relationships. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you would be a very good coach. I, I <laughs> feel that, Alexandra. I feel that. So we have covered so much today, but what is one point that we haven't covered that you think really needs to be mentioned? Can you think? Emotional yeah. intimacy and sensual passion are learnable. I love that. Um, and Yeah, I, I have one more thing to say, which kind of summarizes everything, and that is perfect. when you're not feeling satisfied and you're not feeling good, it's often, it's so much easier to look at what isn't working, what didn't suit you, what didn't work out, what doesn't feel good. And that's important, but it's Mm -hmm. also really, really important to put attention and give yourself permission to imagine what you actually do want. And so rather than only focusing on, oh, this was so terrible, to really start imagining, well, if it could be different, how would you actually want it to be? And to really bring attention to that, because mm-hmm. that creates forward motion in the soul and in life. Oh, I love that. What a great way to end our show today. Such strong um encouragement that no matter if you're in the relationship and you feel it's struggling, 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 you still find the positive in it with work and effort, just as those that have divorced have to find the encouragement to ask for what they really want next time, find out who they are too. So Alexandra, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been 
so full of meat. It's just really been a great show. So I thank you for uh, coming on today. I look forward to uh, connecting again because it was just fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to read the book and then we'll come back for another one. Okay, thank you. How's that? Thank you for Is there anything we want, uh, people can find you on alexandrastockwell.com or if you send an email, alexandra at alexandrastockwell.com. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. As usual, we try and bring you just the most interesting, interesting people and i think we've certainly done that today with alexandria i loved her topic i want to save all the marriages we can but then i want us that go on to be able to have the same happiness that both can have marriages and non so i really really thank you for being here today i think this will be one program you want to share with others so have a great week and i look forward to seeing you next week or anytime you want to listen. So thank you for being here. Stay well. Lots of coals going around out there. And have a great week. Joyce Buford returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com.